It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the NBA draft is but mere days away, and who better to help cut through the smoke screens and the subterfuge and the uninformed things going through my head, talking about various prospects who I'm too high or too low on? Of course, it's Raphael Barlow of Locked On NBA Big Board. Let's get to it. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? And welcome into another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, June the 19th, which means we are three days away from the NBA draft. I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. We cover the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can go and subscribe, follow, rate, and review on your favorite podcast apps for free. We're on Instagram at Locked On Raptors as well. And of course, the Locked On Raptors Discord is the place to be. The link is in the description. Come hang out. Lots of people, over 100 people in there now, just speculating away on what the Toronto Raptors might do on Thursday. And uh, we're going to dig into all of that today with our wonderful guest, Raphael Barlow of Locked and NBA Big Board. Before we bring him in, though, just a heads up today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. All right. He's here. He's the busiest man in the entire Locked On family this week, and uh, he's very, very gracious to give over a little bit of time here to dig into what the Raptors are cooking ahead of Thursday. Seems like it might be a lot. Raphael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board, the wonderful NBA Big Board substack, which you should be paying for if you're not already. Uh, go do it. Raphael, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing good. Just, uh, you know, like you said, it's pretty busy. <laughs> it's probably going to be crazier next week, but overall, man, I'm, I'm doing good. Can't complain, and, and I'm doing what I enjoy doing, so... 
Hell yeah, man. And you do such a good job of it. It's unbelievable. And uh, your work has just been indispensable throughout this lead up to the draft, especially for a dumb dumb like me who does not know about this stuff until we get to like a month out. And then I do all the cramming before the exam and still could never even hope to reach the level of intel that you've got. Let's begin, Raphael, with the sort of the, the buzz around the Raptors. You know, lots of rumors from varying degrees of credible sources, uh, you know, about what the Raptors might do. Are they going to trade up? Are they in the hunt for the second, the third, the fourth overall pick? Is OG Ananobi going to Indiana? It's all over the place. Hard to really get a handle on what's real, what's not. Of course, this is smokescreen season. All these teams leaking rumors to various people with agendas behind them. But Raphael, you have an ear to the ground on this stuff. What's your read on the whole the Raptors might trade up thing at this point? Do you think it's like possible? Do you think this is a pipe dream that Raptors fans are talking themselves into? I know I put Raptors fans in a bit of a fit on Friday, sort of speculating and just theorizing what it would look like if the Raptors indeed ended up trading up and landing Scoot Henderson in the draft. I got everybody's hopes up, soon to be dashed. Uh, But what's your read on what the Raptors are doing? And Do you think a trade up is actually potentially in the cards here in what could be a wild week? I think so. Um, I, I did have someone tell me that they felt like the the Blazers talks are, are real and they're legit. Mm-hmm. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it can be talked about and it can be discussed. And it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's smokescreen. It's just maybe the two parties couldn't come to an agreement. But I, I have definitely heard from you know agents that are kind of involved with players that could be on the move that um, – but yeah, there's definitely been some discussion over that. It's just that I think Portland would prefer Siakam mm-hmm. over over OG, and no nobody really knows what the Raptors' plan is. I mean, on one hand, you can say they may like start from scratch and, and go young, and then on the other hand, they may decide to um, you know just kind of keep things afloat and just see what a new coach and a new offense will do. So mm-hmm. Toronto's definitely one of the teams that that could shake the draft up. The Raptors, I think, like, what's interesting and kind of fun about this week, it's also what gives everybody, like, stomach pains thinking about this stuff from the Raptors in this week, but the optionality they have and the sort of the various ways they could go, it, it lends to a lot of intrigue and excitement about what could go down. You mentioned Portland maybe prefers Siakam as their potential, you know, guy to bring in to pair up with Dame, theoretically, to to build the contender with Dame. Um, I've kind of posited on my show that just looking around the league, this is no intel whatsoever. This is just kind of putting two and two together that Siakam might be like the best gettable player for the Blazers with that third pick plus Anferni Simons, you know, theoretical package. Um, my, my question, like, I, I know there's obviously like the, the the reasoning to want to build a team around Damian Lillard. Is there also like a faction of people within the league that think that's absolutely insane for the Blazers to want to do? Because like looking from the outside, it feels kind of insane for them to want to do that. And I, I'm like as big a Pascal Siakam fan as there is in the entire world. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And I would love to see him be a Raptor for the rest of time. But if a deal for the number three pick and it's Scoot Henderson is there, it feels like it's just such a, okay, well, I guess we got to take this type of situation for the Raptors that it almost makes me wonder, like, are the Blazers like crazy for thinking of doing this? No. Siakam's nope. a two-time All-NBA player, two-time All-Star, championship pedigree. What do you average, 25 a game this year? He's very good. He's really, really good this season, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, no. I mean, I, I don't think it's – and then he's a known commodity. Like, Scoot mm-hmm. is still – 
unknown. And then if you just go down past drafts, like if you go down the past 10 drafts, third pick, you, it's, it's hit or miss in a sense. Sure. I forgot which draft Siakam was in, but I think in a, in a redraft, I mean, he has to go top five, right? Easy, <laughs> so, yeah. 2016, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so, well, 2016, I think that was the – I mean, he'd go ahead of Simmons right now. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> you and, think? And but that, is, that 2016 is the rare draft that produced three All-Stars in the first three picks. Yeah. And what Simmons, uh, Ingram, and Brown. If you go down other past drafts, you're not going to find where the first three picks became all-stars. Sure. So that right there puts Seattle. And then it, it even gets smaller when you go all NBA. So um, I, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm Portland, I think I would I would do it. If I'm Portland, I'm not bringing Lillard, Simons, and Scoop in the training camp. And even sure. if you go by the theory, take the best player available, you're, you're not going to get the best results out of – three guys well, i mean mm-hmm. dame is going to be dame but i mean you, you're not maximizing all of their talents playing playing those three together then it'll just be too much speculation like who's got to go and Ann simons was really good for portland i mean he's yeah. been really really good and he's someone that i think if he would have went to like college and went um because he i think he did like a prep year and he was a late first round pick if he would have went to college and kind of had a brand coming into sure. the NBA, I mean, I think he would have been a lottery pick. So, um, but I mean, he's given lottery production since, since he's been able to play. So yeah, I don't think it's crazy for Portland. I, I think if there is a trade that I would like to happen, that would be the trade. Now, whether or not Shaden Sharp is in the deal, I think that could be like a deal breaker here and there, but right. I would much rather see Scoot get the keys to a franchise and be the primary as opposed to seeing them go to Portland where, you know, they already have multiple guards and, and so on. So that, that would be my, my favorite trade if it happens. I don't know, Raphael, the jury's still out on whether Damian Lillard playing next to other small guards can work. I, I feel like we, we don't have enough of a track record of that over the years. Yeah. I mean, they did uh, make it to the conference finals one year. <laughs> hey, but, that's fair. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I mean, even that year, the problem is they didn't have any wings that could put the ball on the floor and, and create anything. For sure. But uh, but yeah, I, I would love to see Scoot in in Toronto. That would be, I mean, that would be a a, a big draft night trade and discussion, and it would it, it would definitely uh, help locked on Raptors because everybody will be listening. Brother, uh, <laughs> I am rooting for it so hard. You know, I have no idea for the content reasons only. Not, but again, I'm glad you sort of mentioned the whole. Pascal Siakam's an excellent basketball player thing because while I think if that deal is there for the Raptors, they got to jump at that just where they are as a franchise. Like it's not as easy as a lot of people want to make it out to just trade away Pascal Siakam. There's a very real chance that he is the best player and will remain the best player moved in this trade. And it's a, it's a risky thing. There's no guarantees in the draft. And um, you know, a reminder that Pascal Siakam rocks is never a bad thing either. Um, 
we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into the uh, the Raptors guard potential search at 13. Uh, you reported a couple days ago in your newsletter that that might be the way they're looking at 13. And I have a couple of guards I want to throw your names by you here, Raphael. Guys who I'm a little high on and a little low on. And I want to get your read on sort of, you know, should I be a little more in the middle on these guys? We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we dive in there, however, got to tell all the good people about our good friends over at Ibotta. Look, you're going to be buying your groceries, you're going to be doing your school shopping, you're going to be getting a little something for yourself anyway, so you know what? Why don't you get cash back for it as well with Ibotta? With Ibotta, you can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could go use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing that pair of air maxes you've got your eye on as well right now ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying ibotta by using the code locked l-o-c-k-e-d when you register just go to the app store or google play store and download the free ibotta app and use the code locked again that's l-o-c-k-e-d that's ibotta in the google play or app store and use the code locked i-b-o-t-t-a ibotta go check them out the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here. First listen of the day. Thanks to the everydayers for tuning into the show. And thanks again to Raphael Barlow of Locked and NBA Big Board for hanging out here uh, to give us a little more intel on the Raptors in the draft heading into Thursday. So we're going to play a little game called Too High, Too Low. Before we do that, uh, let's get into uh, just sort of the, the scuttlebutt on the Raptors at 13. Let's just assume no trade happens to move up. Uh, you know, I think it's always better to bet against trades happening because it's very hard for them to get pulled through despite all the talks, as you mentioned off the top. Um, so let's just go in to this segment thinking, all right, 13 is where the Raptors are. You reported in your newsletter a couple days ago that it seems like the Raptors are going to be leaning guard in that position, whether they keep Fred Van Vliet or not. And I think that's the right move. There's a reason I've kind of focused a lot of my draft prep on the guard types in this range, because A, there's a lot of them around 13, and B, they just badly need guard skills on this roster, whether Fred's there or not. We saw last year having just one guy with point guard skills is not enough. And so um, where, you know, when it comes to the guard at 13, obviously you have the, the your sources and your intel kind of telling you that that is maybe where they're going to lean. Is there a name at all that kind of comes to mind as a potential target for the Raptors there? Or, or is this sort of a let's see who falls there among this really good bunch of guys between Case and Wallace, Kobe Bufkin, there's Nick Smith Jr. You've had mocked to the Raptors uh, previously as well, Jalen Hood, Shafino, a couple guys we'll talk about in Keontae George and Kobe Bufkin. Um, you know, what's your read on 13 with the Raptors if they are going to go guard? Um, well, one, I actually heard someone mention to me that they believe that if Grady Dick is available, interesting, he feels a major need that the Raptor had, Raptors need, which is outside shooting. Uh huh. <laughs> and so um, he he thought like that would be something that they could get with with him, and, or at least he just kind of mentioned that it could be a possibility if he is available. I mean, as far as guards, it's, I mean, you have so many to choose from. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, I mean, just 
it really just depends on their preference. Like, I think I would lean towards Keontae George. Sure. Uh, uh, George, um, Kobe Bufkin could be available. Hood Shafino, Nick Smith could be available. Um, maybe even Casey Wallace could, could be available. So I think if you're looking at a guard, you're going to find one mm-hmm. and you don't have to trade up. And it, it, it could also be you could trade back and right. get one of those guys. So sure. I, mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that if Toronto is looking for guard help, that they should be able to find it at 13 and be pleased with their with, with their pick. Yeah, it seems like a pretty good spot to be. All right, let's play too high, too low. I'm going to give my sort of read on a guy, and you can tell me whether I'm too high or too low on them. We're going to focus in on two guys. First off, Kobe Bufkin. Uh, I am so in the tank for Kobe Bufkin, Raphael. He's been my guy since day one. Uh, He was the first guy I kind of dove into deep and did a profile on on the podcast. And as I've watched more film on him, as I've read more uh, and sort of seen the, the scouts' reads on this guy, I'm just in love. He to me is the guy with like the fewest notable like glaring weaknesses and to yeah. me he also feels like the guy who has the most avenues to some of his very well-rounded skills morphing into like elite level skills that kind of changed the game for him at the very least though I feel like he's gonna be like a wonderful fit in a Scotty Barnes-led basketball team. I feel like he's gonna be able to play on or off the ball. Um, I, I like his size at six four and a half. Is that what he is with, with, without shoes on? Like he's long. I know he is a little bit spindly, but he, you know, nineteen years old. He's younger than a lot of the guys in this draft as well. I just am so in the tank for Kobe Bufkin to the point that I'm gonna be really disappointed. I'm doing the thing where you just like hitch your wagon to a guy kind of irrationally before the draft. I call this Brandon Knight syndrome from way back in the. Jonas Valanciunas draft way back in the day um you know I'm curious am I too high on Kobe Bufkin thinking he is just very clearly to me the best of these guard options for the Raptors at 13. No and you know I'm I'm a guy that really respects opinion so it's hard for me to tell someone (laughs) like you are totally wrong because I mean these NBA GMs get it totally wrong I mean look how many (laughs) like 40 teams passed on the Cole Jokic so um (laughs) But no, I mean, I'm not I mean, mad about DeAndre Daniels to the Raptors. Not at all. I haven't been thinking about DeAndre <laughs> Daniels all week. <laughs> about that. But, but no, I, um, no, I mean, everything about Kobe Bufkin that I was going to say, you said it. He is younger for his class. Jet Howard is his teammate at well, was his teammate at Michigan. And Kobe's younger than the, the Jet. And then I even look at it like this. If Kobe was the normal class as, as his age, right? If he doesn't mm-hmm. go to school early and he's a freshman and he puts up the same numbers and he had the same hype and buzz coming in to this season as the other freshman, I think that, um, you know, people will be talking about him as a surefire lottery pick as opposed to a guy that is now, you know, joining the lottery discussion. Right. But you're, you're right. He doesn't have a lot of glaring weaknesses. I mean, I guess the main one is that he just needs to get stronger. But, you know, well, other than like three or four guys, you right. can say that for, for everybody because he hasn't got his grown man strength yet. It's but, certainly uh, not a scoot problem. We can put that, we can put it that way. Yeah, yeah there's, like I said, there's very few that are, that are physically ready. But yeah, I mean, he can shoot the ball. He can pass. Excellent finisher at the rim. He defends. I mean, there's so many things to like about him. And it's almost it's interesting because usually when we talk about guys, we talk about, all right, he can do this well, but this is a major area of improving. Now, if he gets this fixed, he mm-hmm. could be that. 
if that makes sense. While yeah. Kobe's a guy that you can't say, well, man, if he becomes a much better shooter, if he becomes a better defender, he's so well balanced that it can kind of work against him as that some people can think that he is closer to being a finished product. Right. As opposed to having a really, really high upside because, you know, he's not like a, you know, your great athlete that can't shoot. And then right. you just wonder, oh, well, if he can The shoot, Raptors special, like, you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, I don't, I don't think you're, you're too high on him. I think your assessment is fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I also, I guess the sort of the question too is he really came on in the back part of the season for Michigan. Yeah. And I'm curious, Raphael, like how do you sort of reckon with that when a guy over the course of like half a college season really kind of turns on the Jets? Because I think when you like watch NBA guys, you, there's this sort of, when you see like a guy in the last two months of the season when it's kind of garbage time ball and a guy really looks great, there's always this sort of grain of salt. Do you find that's a similar thing you got to deal with when you're dealing with prospects like this? Or is it because Bupskin is still a pretty highly regarded guy anyway, does it not worry you as much that it was kind of a small sample where he really took off? No, I just think, I mean, I guess you can say the Michigan coaching staff made a mistake by not giving him the keys. Sure. He did, if I'm not mistaken, average like five points a game as a freshman or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like he was, you know what I mean, averaging double figures or you expected him to turn into your best prospect on the team. Sure. They had Hunter Dickinson there, and he was, you know, the man that you got Jet Howard, the coach's son, who wasn't like a top 20 ranked guy. But, I mean, he did have some a little bit of draft buzz coming into the season. And so it just took for, you know, maybe Jet getting hurt and so on for Juwan or Juwan Howard, that is Michigan's coach, maybe to realize, mm -hmm. like, you know, if we put the ball in Kobe's hands, good things will happen. So it's not like the NBA where usually if a guy has a great sample size at the end of the season, it's because the team kind of, you know, just decided, hey, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're going to give this guy opportunity to see what we have with him. While with Michigan, they were trying to win. So they were trying to win games. And they felt like maybe they could win more games by giving him the keys to the team. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's uh, pivot over to a guy I feel like I'm maybe too low on. Like, And this could just be, I, we talked when you were on the show like a month ago about how my Keontae George feelings are maybe skewed a little because I kind of watched him near the end of the season where he wasn't quite his most explosive, didn't really jump off the page to me. And, and honestly, kind of watching back a lot of the film myself, again, not nearly as much as, I, as you've watched or any of the real scouts have, but for me, I, like Keontae feels like the guy most Raptors fans really want to see the Raptors take at 13. Like he seems like a consensus. I know in the locked on Raptors discord, for example, there's a lot of Keontae fans. I just can't quite get there. And I feel like it's the playmaking for me. And it just, it feels a little bit lacking and maybe that's unfair. If it is unfair, please regale me with all the sort of examples of his excellent playmaking. But for me with the darker Ryakovich run offense now coming in for the Raptors. I, I think it's a real opportunity for there to be like a really nice, egalitarian, beautiful basketball style of play that the Raptors can play here. And I feel like playmaking should be sort of top priority when it comes to the guys the Raptors are looking at here, guys who can play either on or off the ball, guys who can make the next play. 
the right play. And I just don't know if I see that with Keontae George as much. You know, I'm open to being proven wrong here, by the way. I'm wrong all the time. Remember, I was fully in on Brandon Knight back when the Raptors did not take him. So I'm, uh, I'm often wrong with this stuff, more often than I'm right. But... It just it doesn't quite feel like the right guy for what the Raptors desperately need. Despite his three-point shooting, despite the fact that he can go get a bucket, I, I don't know if the rest of his game is well-rounded enough for me to really address multiple needs that the Raptors have in their roster. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts on where I'm at with Keontae? Well, number one, I would say if you were going to watch some Keontae film and you wanted to get a, a glimpse of what he's capable of, I would say watch the Kansas and Kansas State game. Okay. And those were the two games right before he injured his ankle, and he was never the same after that game. If I'm not mistaken, I think he combined for 43 points in those two games mm-hmm. and was 11 for 20 from three. Now, as okay. far as the, the playmaking, I was told that when he went to Baylor, he believed that Adam Flagler was going to enter the draft. Flagler comes back, which is something that – I think we're going to have to pay attention to going forward because when the college coaches are recruiting these kids, they're probably telling them, hey, this guy is going to be gone to the NBA. But then with NIL, guys are like, oh, well, why would I go be a <laughs> two-way player and play in the G League when I can make more money staying in school? So I think that is possibly what happened. I, I do not believe he signed up to go to Baylor to play in the three-small-guard system. Right. So he ended up kind of having to split ball handling duties with three different players. And so I would say um, that is the reason for the playmaking concern. Another game or or a set of games that I would suggest watching is the Global Jam, which was in Canada. And it's it's weird. G-L-O-B-A. And it was G-L-O-B-L. Do you know why there's no A in it? It's Come on, Raphael. You know branding. It's always cooler when you drop a letter. It's, uh, it's just what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, usually they drop all the, all the vowels. <laughs> anyway, um, it was really good there. I mean, this was, I think it was 23 and under, and they had professional teams from Italy mm-hmm. and, and so on. And he was the best player there. He showed the shot making, the ability to shoot from from deep, pull up, get to his spots. And another reason why I think Keontae kind of struggled a little bit is he put on weight to prepare for the Big 12. And the Big 12 is a conference that you just don't see a lot of freshmen come in and dominate. So, I mean, they only had like two impactful freshmen this year, which was Keontae and, and Grady Dick. But other than that, the conference is older. Like you had guys... Like, for example, Sergio Barry Rice was in the same – he played for Texas, and Texas went very deep into the season. But Sergio Barry Rice was in the – if I'm not mistaken, I think he was in the same high school class as, like, Josh Jackson. Right. And oh my God. Raptors legend Josh Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, so um, so you, you have guys that are, like, 23, 24, and so on. So, anyway, I said all that to say this. He bulked up, and I think he just put on too much weight. And right. he told me that he was 20 pounds heavier than what he was when I saw him and, and had a chance to watch him work out back in May. And then um, the ankle injury he told me he wasn't trying to preserve his draft stock. He was trying to compete, trying to play. And he said one foot was heavier than the other. So that had a lot to do with his limited like explosiveness and why he wasn't able to just get a guy, get by guys off the dribble. But then he had like a fantastic pro day. I was there and I, and I get it. Pro days are like rehearsed 
dance. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you um, but you see, like, I mean, if a guy can't shoot, you're just gonna see him do a bunch of windmill dunks and, right, and, you know, go one on none. So I mean, you can't always take those with a grain of salt. But I thought Keontae had one of the better pro days because he looked lighter. He showed the explosiveness. Had quite a few like impressive finishes above the rim. Again, it's on one on none, but it would address like if someone's concerned about his athleticism. Then he shot the ball well. Just showed like just how he has just this effortless shooting stroke, and just the potential of him as a, a shot maker and efficient shooter. So um, obviously, you can't see playmaking in a, in a pro day, but. I do think that he showed some flashes of, of being a passer. And I think for him, it's more so, I think he has the vision to do it. Okay. But it's an adjustment because he's always been a scorer. Like he's right. always been able to score at ease. And so now it's just a matter of balancing out scoring and making and making the reads. That makes sense. I'm being talked a little more into Keontae George. As it turns out, you get context from someone who knows what they're talking about, and the picture becomes a little clearer. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side and uh, do some quick hitters. We're going to talk a little Jalen Hood Shafino, talk a little Leonard Miller, perhaps, and then I'm also going to get you to grade me on our Locked and NBA mock draft, Raphael, which uh, came out just last week. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at Prize Picks who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, super accessible. You got to go check out Prize Picks right now, baby, because as you're not up against, you know, some shadow expert behind the scenes who's put together a roster that you can't hope to beat. No, it's just you against the projections, and you can do it for any sport, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, the WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, on down the list. You can go and make an entry and a cross-sport entry at that. All you got to do is pick two to six players, and if they go and score more or less than their Prize Picks projection based on what you predicted, then you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. They have super safe and fast withdrawals. You can enter and make your entries in 60 seconds or less. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app, go to prizepix.com and sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100 bucks in your account, the PrizePix will match that with 100 bucks to hang out with your original 100 bucks. You can go ahead and play PrizePix. Don't forget to do the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match to $100 with price picks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, round up the show here. Thankful for the wonderful, gracious Raphael Barlow carving out some time here on a Saturday night to talk about the Raptors in the draft with me. This man is very dedicated to his work. A reminder, go check out uh, all of his wonderful insight on the Locked in NBA mock draft, which we're going to talk about in a second here. And please go subscribe to NBA Big Board. It is 1,000% worth your money. I know we've handed out a few gift subscriptions to some listeners in the Discord. My hope is that those gift subscriptions turn into full-time subscriptions. You heard me, people who got those gift subscriptions. Let's go. Um, all right. Let's dive in here, Raphael. Quick hitters for you. I want to talk Jalen Hood-Shafino a little bit because he's someone who I really like 
but I'm a little concerned about the three-point shot, and I feel like anyone the Raptors draft is going to have to have some off-ball capability. He was obviously on ball a lot for Indiana this year, but with Scotty Barnes being the sort of weird future basketball player that he is, he's going to have the ball in his hands. Whatever this team looks like going forward, he's going to have the ball in his hands, and so whomever the Raptors draft here, I feel like is going to have to play off of that a little bit. Do you believe in the shooting stroke of Jalen Hood Shafita, who I believe shot 33.3% from deep at college this year? Yes, he is a good shooter, but he's a better shooter off the dribble than he is off the catch, right. which I think is very common for guys that are used to having the ball in their hands and playing with the ball all the time. Sure. So here's a stat for you. And if I'm not mistaken, and I have so many stats jumbled up in my head, <laughs> all these different prospects. But I believe he shot 38% from threes off the dribble. Right. Which is very good. Which That's is excellent, yeah. And he shot 77% from the foul line. I mean, it's not like excellent, but, you know, it's, it's, it's good. So I think the touch is there. I just think it's going to take him, you know, maybe an offseason or two to, to learn how to shoot off the catch because, sure. as you can imagine – He's always had the ball in his hands throughout his, you know, young career. So it's just going to be an adjustment. So I buy into the shooting. Um, really good mid-range pull-up shooter that just yes. destroys drop coverage, which, you know, which is a defense that you see a lot of a lot of in the NBA. And so I, I think that I think that he's going to be fine. I mean, you have to like the size. I think the playmaking is good. Um, you know, like a phenomenal athlete by, by any means, he has the size and strength to get to his spots. I know ESPN listed him at like 6'6 six, six, and a 6'6 mm-hmm. six, six point guard. I mean, for Toronto, you haven't had him. <laughs> you know, you've had a small backcourt, I should say, for, <laughs> for, as, for a long time. <laughs> they love so, the short kings up here, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just the it's, way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's worked. It's definitely worked. So, uh, but no, I I really really like his upside and his size, of it. and I and I do think the shooting is is going to come along. Yeah, he's a cool player, man. I would not be disappointed. He's being mocked to the Raptors by a few folks right now, and and I think um, you know I I, I still prefer Kobe Bufkin because I'm Bufkin pilled till till I die. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I would not be disappointed if Jalen Hood Shafino's the pick there either. I want to quickly ask you about Leonard Miller, who I haven't really talked about on the podcast because I don't think it's terribly likely the Raptors take another sort of projecty six nine dude. You know, I, I just feel like at that point they're almost like pranking the Raptors fan base who are just thirsting for anything but that. Um, um, but, you know, he's been kind of mocked in that range. I know the Thunder I've seen kind of get mocked him a little bit. Even the Raptors in a couple of mock drafts I've kind of perused. You know, Leonard Miller, does he strike you? The last time you were on this show, you kind of dug into why Bilal Koulibaly is very much a Raptors pick. We'll talk Koulibaly briefly in a second here. But, uh, you know, Leonard Miller also very much feels like a Raptors-y pick. Plus, he's got the passport to match. Uh, yeah. Thoughts on Leonard Miller and the possibility of him maybe being the Raptors' surprise pick at 13 if they decide to go off board and not go for a guard, or if maybe they get a guard in some other trade with the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> yeah, he is a Raptors type guy only problem is it's just it would be a crazy amount of redundancy <laughs> with, 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 with this skill set but here's something for you yeah leonard miller was the best prospect on the g league ignite in the second half of the season right and it's not even close right not even close i was at a game against the texas legends where he had 20 points and 20 rebounds so listen to these numbers and this is not a mistake in March, again, it's not the largest sample size, but it was a full month. 
Leonard Miller averaged 22 points, 12.9 rebounds, two assists, one steal, and 1.7 blocks per game. But 64, 58, 90 shooting splits. Now again, normal. This, very this, normal. <laughs> yeah, this is you know for a month, but he was trending in the right direction. Right. So I said all that to say this. There's only I want to say maybe five decision makers. I would say GMs, but GM title is different from team to team. Sure. It doesn't mean you're the final decision maker. I say there's only about five decision makers that have the the freedom and luxury to being able to choose who they want where they want right Masai is one of them if he likes leonard miller at 13 he can select them. the only problem is they just have too many guys with similar skill sets and the roster would be totally unbalanced mm -hmm. unless you know a major trade is made but leonard miller and he's also 611 i forgot to add that he's 611 so you're talking Jeez. about a guy that is huge he's skilled and the role that he played this year for the ignite was not the role that i expected him to play Last year, when I saw him at the combine, he was the absolute worst player at the NBA combine by far. It wasn't even <laughs> close. But it was like, and I talked to his agent, it kind of threw him out there. He started to generate a little bit of buzz, and they just wanted to see what he was made out of, what he had, and the jump that he made to, to like looking like a fish out of water at the combine to being very productive in a league full of grown men in the G League. I mean, it just shows how much work that, that he's put in. And um, we didn't like I forgot to add that when I watched him before, he played like a playmaker. Like when I watched his high school film, I think he went to like Erie, Fort Erie, something like that. Mm -hmm. I guess that's, that's in the area. He was like, think about Rhode Island Lamar Odom. That's how he played. He was like your big point guard, your big playmaker. And he showed a little flashes of that at the combine last year. Like he would get a rebound, push the ball up court, make a play. I mean, there. Were, I mean, the 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 bright spots were few and far between. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're like, all right, this guy is like. And at the time, I think he was listed at six ten. This guy is six ten, and he's bringing the ball up court, and he looks comfortable doing it. But he didn't get a chance to show that much with the ignite because obviously he played with Scoop. So I said all that to say this: if he puts that together. Like mm -hmm. the role that he played in the G League, on top of how he finished the season. I mean, twenty and twenty game is. I mean, those don't happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> on top of the passing and the playmaking, then I think he could be really, really good. He doesn't have the prettiest shot. Like the form is a little funky looking, but the touch is there. He shot over eighty percent from the foul line. So I, I think that if he puts it together, he could easily, easily be a top ten player in this class in five years. I'm going to do something that has no downside for me because it's a wild prediction of something that is contingent upon a whole bunch of different things. But if I get it right, then I look like a genius. If the Raptors end up making the deal with the Blazers and have Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson on their roster, Pascal Siakam out the door, and they hang on to 13, and the OKC Thunder don't take Leonard Miller at 12, even though he feels like the thunderest pick there is, I think he's going to be the guy at 13 for the Raptors, if that's what happens. If they address their guards in that hypothetical trade with Portland, Miller at 13, that's my prediction right here, because he seems too Raptors-y for them to pass up if there's any opportunity for them whatsoever to do it, with it making even at least a little bit of sense for the roster. Um, 
You heard it here. All right, let's uh, quick. Uh, I want to get your uh, thoughts here. We did the locked in NBA mock draft again. Go listen. Six parts. It's like six hours of incredibly detailed, excellent content, and a whole lot of making fun of the Orlando Magic. How could you not oh, like that? Uh- <laughs> man, my my, and I, I poor Philip, man. I kept getting tagged on on in the Twitter discussions, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, he is absolutely getting destroyed on my Twitter feed and. <laughs> And I didn't even realize that they posted the the uh, on our big board feed, and so right. I'm getting all of those notifications. <laughs> uh, and then he's trying to like defend himself. And oh, uh, we love yeah. Philip Rossman Reich, but he was on some stuff uh, doing the mock draft. He actually almost talked me into his thinking by the end of it. But uh, you go listen to the mock draft for the magic of it all. Uh, I made a trade as well in that mock draft. I traded OG Ananobi. Yes, I know. The guy who I keep saying they probably shouldn't trade anymore, but uh, I did it for the content, okay? Uh, traded OG Ananobi to the Grizzlies along with a 2028 second rounder in exchange for Tyus Jones and three first rounders, a Warriors pick next year, top four protected, a Grizzlies pick in 2025, top th- four protected, and the 25th pick in this here draft. I ended up at number 13 with my dude, Kobe Bufkin, which is doing nothing to make me any less excited about the prospect of him being there at 13. Uh, and then I ended up at 25 with our guy, Bilal Koulibaly, Victor Wembanyama's teammate over in France. Uh, we don't have to linger too long on this. We've gone long here, Raphael. You've given far enough of your time, but give me a quick grade on how I performed on draft night in our hypothetical locked in NBA mock draft. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, getting Bilal <laughs> so low, I just in you know the real world, I think he ends up going going mm-hmm. in the lottery. Um, I just didn't get it from the Grizzlies' point of view. And again, like, like, I know this is hypothetical, so yeah. there's a part of me that tries to make it realistic, which is it's not. hard to do draft grades on of the actual draft on draft night. I'm asking you to do a fake draft grade for me just after the draft. So yes, I realize this is a ridiculous thing I'm asking you to do. <laughs> well, I'm saying it more so from the Grizzlies point of view, because I'm thinking right. like Jaws about to be suspended. <laughs> so, <laughs> why are you trading, you know, your, your backup point guard? Who, who's going to be your, you know, your point guard? But then, you know, it's like, okay, this is this is for fun. Yes. But no, you, you got picks. You 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 got picks. Even though I, I feel like in, in the real world, you probably especially with a team like Portland, that that seems to be a little bit desperate. I think you may have been able to get more for, for OG. And right. I guess the rumor is that uh Masai is asking for like too much for OG, and that's why he's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you got three first round picks, and then you know, the person in me that's making this real would be like, okay. That means a rebuild is on the way. So where is right. Siakam going? Which means you're gonna trade Siakam and get picks. Now you got like <laughs> I I tried to do the Siakam for three thing with our pal Mike Richmond in that mock draft too. I tried to ruin the draft board for everybody else, but uh, Mike did not uh, accept my offer. Sadly, yeah, he should he should have did that one. But but yeah, so now it's like if you trade Siakam. Now you guys are like you got like the Jazz Thunder. And the Raptors control like the next you know, like, few NBA drafts. So whatever eighth graders out there, um, <laughs> that's who you guys should be targeting. But no, I, I thought I thought it was good, especially like imagine if that happened for real. You got you could say you got two lottery picks, and with with by, by trading OG, or you got an additional lottery pick, but you ended up with two two guys with lottery talent. 
Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time, but I do know, I think I kind of nailed that one, even though I like instantly regretted trading OG, because I was like, oh, where's the wing defense and shooting on this team? Oh no, this is a problem. Have to address it. Can we trade for OG back? Uh, <laughs> but Raphael, you have been far too generous with your time. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, everyone, please go be sure to follow uh, Raphael and get all of his wonderful work before Thursday. Is there anything in particular you want to plug for the people ahead of the draft on Thursday they should be checking out? Yeah, I mean, I'll have a, a mock draft. It'll, it'll come out Monday. And then, um, you know, I have uh, it also have like some intel and some rumors in, in the mock draft. And then I have the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast, which is five days a week. And then I will be in New York. So I'll be at the draft. Excellent. Don't really know like how, where I'll be, uh, but I'll be providing some, some live coverage from the Barclays. So that should be fun to be a first time for me doing that. So looking forward to it. Hell, man, you're just, you're crushing it. Uh, really excited, happy for all your success, and uh, here's to a lot more. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Of course, we'll be back again tomorrow. Our pal Joe Wolfon from The Score is going to pop on to do a little uh, look ahead at the draft and free agency and kind of forecast what might be on the deck here for the Raptors. And then, uh, yeah, busy week. Draft coming up. We'll have a reaction episode late on Thursday night as well. Please be sure to check it all out and uh, go and listen to all of our draft profile previews as well. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in support by subscribing rating reviewing also join the lockdown raptors discord server link is in the description come hang out and uh, again go give all your money to Raphael at locked in nba big board because it's so 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 good down get to the Substack, all that great stuff and we will talk to you again on tuesday with another episode of lockdown raptors thanks for hanging Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.